Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. But we're saying, God, you give us wisdom to live as parents before these children, that they can see that you are God. Those of you that have businesses and jobs, you need to dedicate them to God. God did not put you in your business primarily to make money. God put you in your business primarily to be a witness and to share for Him. Now, that doesn't mean you don't do a great job. You're supposed to do a great job. That's part of the witness. But He put you there. He put us in our neighborhood. We need to dedicate our church buildings, our home, all of this stuff we're dedicating to God because everything belongs to God. When you imagine a person who is greedy, it's probably an extreme version of it, where a person is grabbing handfuls of money and hoarding it for themselves. But greediness can be much more subtle. If you're holding on to anything of this world, when you could be giving, you may struggle with greed. Nothing in this temporary world is guaranteed. And if you're wrapped up in material things, you may be crushed when it comes falling down around you. Keep your eyes on things eternal and look for opportunities to give and share with others. Don't dwell on changes in the economy, but in changes of the heart. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 18, verse 1, with today's study. always see battles in Israel. Some of us don't think that spiritual warfare is ongoing. You will never see the end of spiritual warfare in your life until you breathe your last breath. So that's what we're going to talk about. Now, as we pick up in 1 Chronicles 18, let me give you a time frame with this because really these chapters in a timeline come before Actually, before chapters 13, this is where David and his armies finally are going to bring Israel's hostile neighbors in battle, at least under control for a period of time. Verse 1, in the course of time, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them. And he took Gath, you remember Gath is where Goliath came from, and its surrounding villages from the control of the Philistines. And David also defeated the Moabites, And they became subject to him and brought tribute. So God had promised David, as part of his covenant, that he would give Israel rest from their enemies. He began to do that very thing. First, the Philistines here, Israel's constant enemy, more than 125 years, are attacked and defeated. Then David turns to the Moabites. Now, we're told back in 2 Samuel that during this time, at that war, that two out of every three prisoners were put to death. Why? And by the way, the survivors were left to serve Israel. Well, the reason we think is because David's parents were put to death while they lived in Moab. This is kind of a retaliation. Verse 3, now moreover, David fought. Had Ezer, king of Zobah, as far as Hamath, 
when he went to establish his control along the Euphrates River. And David captured a thousand of his chariots, seven thousand charioteers, and twenty thousand foot soldiers. Sometimes in the Bible we think they're little teeny skirmishes. That's a lot of people. He hamstrung all but a hundred of the chariot horses. Now you say that's pretty cruel. Well, there's a number of reasons. David did this so that the enemy's horses could never be used again in battle. Now today it would be a very wise thing because, by the, if you don't know it, because of the hoof and mouth disease, they're eating horses. They're stealing horses from people today. But in this day, David left only a hundred and he destroyed or made all the rest useless. Now this relates to a couple of things. One of them, Psalms 20 verse 7 says this, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of our Lord. Who is your trust in tonight? Who is your confidence in tonight? Earlier in the book of Deuteronomy, and I'll just read it to you from time's sake, God said this to the kings. The king, moreover, in Deuteronomy 17, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people to return to Egypt to get more. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. Verse 17, he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. So David did good. He wasn't going to trust in the horses. He, he doesn't amass all of them, basically makes most of them useless because he's going to trust in God. God is the one that brought him the victory already. And he was already warned earlier in the book of Deuteronomy, don't take great numbers of horses to yourself. Now the problem is, David obeyed the part about the horses. But he did not obey the part about the wives. That would be a downfall for him. That would also be a downfall for his son, Solomon. And as we do the introduction to Proverbs, that will remind you of that as we get there. Verse 5. Now when the Arameans, that's the Syrians, of Damascus came to help Hadad, Hadad-Ezer, a king of Zobah, David struck down 22,000 of them. He put garrisons in the Aramean kingdom of Damascus, and the Arameans became subject to him and brought tribute. And the Lord gave David victory everywhere he went. I don't have time tonight, but on a map you can take a look at this. The enemies were all around Israel. Uh, to the west uh, were uh, the Philistines. To the east, Moab. To the north, the Syrians. And to the south, Edom. They were surrounded by the enemy. The Bible tells us that there's always going to be wars, political and spiritual on this earth. There are going to be wars until sin is removed because wars are simply the symptom. The disease is sin. Keep your finger there quickly. Turn back to the book of James, almost to the end of the Bible, New Testament. What is the cause of war and fights? Where in the world does that come from? Well, in the book of James, we're given a simple definition. James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. 
What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet because you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. So where do fights, where do quarrels, where do wars come from? They come from the inside of man. It's not really about the environment. It's not really about free trade. It comes from the heart of men. If there's war in your home tonight, it's because of sin. If there's a battle in your office between individuals, I don't care what you think the agenda is, it's because of sin. If there's war within you, it's because of sin. So you have to get rid of the sin to solve the war. Back to First Chronicles, verse 7. David took the gold shields carried by the officers of Hadiezer and brought them to Jerusalem. From Terbah and Kun, towns that belonged to Hadadezer, David took the great quantity of bronze which Solomon used to make the bronze sea, the pillars, and the various bronze articles. And when Tul, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the entire army of Hadadezer, king of Zobah, he sent his son Hadaram to King David to greet him and congratulate him on his victory over Hadadezer, who had been at war with Tolu. Hadaram brought all kinds of articles of gold and silver and bronze. Verse 11, King David dedicated these articles to the Lord, as he had done with the silver and gold he had taken from these nations, Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, and Amalek. David knew that everything belonged to God. So he gives the spoils of every victory really back to God. He dedicates them to God. David would then put them in the temple treasury, and Solomon, his son, eventually would use all of these spoils of war to build a future temple. David, remember last time we studied, couldn't build the temple, but he came actually like a Home Depot for his son. All this stuff was destroyed. You could go down the aisles, and there it was. He was a Lowe's or a Home Depot for Solomon. He could only do what God allowed him to do. And I think this is very important. Remember, we can only do what we're gifted to do. Don't get fussy about that. David couldn't build it, so he became a Lowe's. He became a Home Depot. He did what he could do. He was very good at battle. He was very good at bringing peace to Israel. That's what he did. That was the gift that God had given him. David did that. Now, David knew that everything he had needed to be dedicated to God. I want to remind us that you and I, everything we have belongs to God. We need to give it back to God. Remember the old 24-7, 365? You do it on a daily basis. For those of us tonight that are raising children, you saw us dedicate children. What does that mean? We're giving them back to God. Now, we're not saying, God, you take them, because he gave them to us. But we're saying, God, you give us wisdom to live as parents before these children, that they can see that you are God. Those of you that have businesses and jobs, you need to dedicate them to God. God did not put you in your business primarily to make money. God put you in your business primarily to be a witness 
and to share for him. Now, that doesn't mean you don't do a great job. You're supposed to do a great job. That's part of the witness. But he put you there. He put us in our neighborhood. We need to dedicate our church buildings, our home, all of this stuff we're dedicating to God because everything belongs to God. As we do that to God, we have to remember that he owns everything. Now, one of the things we battle as Christians is greed, covetousness. Some of us, if we looked at these spoils, would have wanted to keep some of it to ourselves. No, you give it to God. Now, let me read you some things about coveting, greediness for material things. Exodus 20, verse 17 says this, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Today, forget the ox and donkey, put the beamer in. You don't covet their car. You don't cover their swimming pool. Luke 12, 15. Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. If you're working extra hours and letting the family go down the tubes because you're trying to accumulate wealth, you're wrong. You need to be in balance. If you're working 10 hours a week and you're having your wife work the other 70 hours a week because you just want to kick back, you're wrong as the leader of the house. You need to be out working. Ephesians 5.3 says this, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or any greed. 1 Timothy 6.9 says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. You're either a giver or a taker. What are you? If you're a giver, you'll be blessed. If you're a taker, you might think you're being blessed, but in the long run, it will destroy you. It will spoil you. You must be a giver. Now, verse 12 says that Abishai, son of Zuriah, has struck down 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became subject to David. The Lord gave David victory everywhere he went. Israel was always at war. We are always going to be at war. Let me remind you tonight in Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The battle tonight, even if it's in our homes, is not against our wife or our husbands or our kids. It's the enemy. At work, it's not Judy in the accounting department. It's not Bill over in the maintenance department. As much as you think it is, it's the enemy. Now, don't go to him tomorrow and say you're the devil. It's the enemy. And we have to realize, even in our homes, that Satan tries to destroy us by thinking it's people. It's not people. He obviously uses people. But notice our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authority, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. God was the only reason David was successful in his battles. The only reason I will be successful, you will be successful as we battle, is if we rely on God. Notice he says there 
that God was with him everywhere he went. The key is not location, where we go. The key is that the Lord goes before us and brings us victory. When Linda and I were in Ukraine and we're over in France, maybe we'll back in Ukraine again, maybe Singapore this year, whatever. Some of you to Managua, some of you back over to different Peru, whatever. The Lord is with us. It's not where you go. There's battles everywhere. It's that the Lord goes before us. Remember the prayer of Jabez. Some of you maybe forgot the prayer of Jabez. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. Now remember, this is not a magical prayer. You have to believe this. Jabez said this, Oh, that you would bless me. In other words, use me. God, use me for your kingdom. Second, enlarge my territory. Third, let your hand be with me. Jabez says, I don't want to go anywhere and issue your hands with me. And fourth, keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. I hope you're praying the prayer of Jabez. Maybe I just had to remind some of you. Verse 14, and David reigned over all Israel, doing what was just and right for his people. And Joab, son of Zariah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was recorder. Zadak, son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, son of Abathar, were priests. And Shavah, Shavsha, was secretary. And Benaniah, son of Jehoiah, was the king over the Parathites and the Peleothites and the West Melbourneites. And David's sons were chief officials at the king's side. Now, David couldn't build the temple of God, you remember, because he hadn't been gifted to do that. So what he does is he here is an efficient administrator. Guys, pay attention down there. He was an efficient administrator. He had the gift of administrating, and he did it right. Thanks for you that have the gift of administration tonight. You're gifted that way. Doesn't mean you're special. Just happens to be your gift. How many of you do not have the gift of administration and keeping things in order? Let me see your hands. You're honest. You'll be gifted other places, other ways, right? You're usually married to an administrator. It just works that way. God's wonderful. Now, 1 Chronicles 19. The climax of David's international struggles comes a little bit around 1995 B.C., before the birth of Solomon. And it arose out of two campaigns against the Ammonites. These people were related to Hebrews and lived directly east of the Transjordan. Those of you that go to Israel with us, you'll see that. By the way, if you missed our Israel meeting, you need the information. Stop and talk to either Bill or I after the service. Let's look at verse 1. In the course of time, Nahash, king of the Ammonites, died. And his son succeeded him as king. Notice, in the course of time. We don't have to be worried. We all have an appointment with death. Remember, once we die, we will stand before God either as Savior or judge. Now, as Christians, we're going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account of everything we've done with the emphasis on motive. Remember this morning I talked about motives? All they wanted was a spiritual notch in their belt. We will stand before God with the emphasis on motives. So we always have to have a motive check in our own heart. We want to be laying up treasures in heaven, not on this earth. And the greatest treasure you can lay up are people. 
So look for those people, as we shared this weekend, look for those people that you can befriend. One of the dangers for Christians is this, that after we become Christians, many of us have no non-Christian friends anymore. So we don't have anybody to relate to. So look for those kind of things and ask God to help us share the gospel. So we're going to die in God's timing. Now, that means we have an appointment with God. He knows specifically when that is. Now, if you want to leave and drive out the fly out to San Francisco and go bungee jumping, you can do that. The problem is you might find that that's the appointed time for you. It would not be a wise thing. I always think when I get on a plane, I'd like to go and talk to the pilot and ask him if he's a Christian or not. And if he is, then it's okay with me. I can relax and hope that obviously we're going to be safe on that flight because his time is not up. There's only one caveat. If his time is up, so is mine. And so is yours. So you pray for your captain when you get aboard the flight. Just something for you to think about the next time you fly. Now David thought, verse 2, I will show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. So Nahash had been friendly to David during King Saul's reign. So David's going to be friendly back to his son Hanan at the time of his father's death. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanan uh, concerning his father. When David's men came to Hanan in the land of the Amorites to express sympathy to them, the Ammonite nobles said to Hanan, Do you think David, again, these are his enemies, do you think David is honoring your father by sending men to you to express sympathy? Haven't these men come to you to explore and spy out the country and overthrow it? So these supposedly wise counselors say to Hanan, you really think David, our enemy, has sent these men with sincere thanks and condolences? you got to be kidding me. He sent them here as spies. Now, let me just stop for a moment. How do you look at people? How do you look at situations? When you look at something, do you always look at the negative? Are you always trying to read something into the situation? Or can you just take a person for what they are? Can you look at people in a positive light? Or do you always say, wonder what their motive is? What did they really mean by that. You know, they say like, good morning. (laughs) Some of you want to say, you notice the way they said good? What does that mean? Well, this is the problem. You see, the scripture says this, finally, listen, this is a scripture. This is not me. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Today we listened as David obeyed the Lord's instructions about going to battle, but went his own way regarding taking multiple wives. As we heard, there will always be wars as long as there is sin in the world. Battles in your workplace, family, and in the world all originate from sin. 
Pastor Mark also warned of the dangers of listening to rumors and gossip, as illustrated in the story of Hanan mistrusting David because of unwise counsel. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866 866- Seven seven nine three four four one. That's eight six six seven seven nine three four four one. Or log on to lessonsforlivingradio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll continue through the recounting of how David defeats the Ammonites and Syrians. Gossip and negativity will complicate matters, causing war and destruction for many people. Israel will rely on God, which is the key to their bravery and victories. Like the constant battles we'll hear about, we're also in constant spiritual warfare, and we'll find out just how to attack. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.